girl who reads. Date a girl who reads. Date a girl who spends her money on books instead of clothes, who has problems with closet space because she has too many books. Date a girl who has a list of books she wants to read, who has had a library card since she was 12. Find a girl who reads. You'll know that she does because she will always have an unread book in her bag. She's the one lovingly looking over the shelves in the bookstore, the one who quietly cries out when she has found the book she wants. You see that weird chick sniffing the pages of an old book in a secondhand bookshop? That's the reader. They can never resist smelling the pages, especially when they are yellow and worn. She's the girl reading while waiting in that coffee shop down the street, lost in a world of the author's making. Sit down. She might give you a glare, as most girls who read do not like to be interrupted. Ask her if she likes the book. Buy her another cup of coffee. Let her know that what you really think of Murakami. See if she got through the first chapter of Fellowship. Understand that if she says she understood James Joyce's Ulysses, she's just saying that to sound intelligent. Ask her if she loves Alice or she would like to be Alice. It's easy to date a girl who reads. Give her books for her birthday, for Christmas, for anniversaries. Give her the gifts of words in poetry and in song. Give her Neruda, Pound, Sexton, Cummings. Let her know that you understand that words are love. Understand that she knows the difference between books and reality, but she's going to try to make her life a little like her favorite book. It'll never be your fault if she does. She has to give it a shot somehow. Fail her. Because a girl who reads knows that failure always leads up to the climax. Because girls who read understand that all things must come to an end. But that you can always write a sequel. That you can begin again and again and again and still be the hero that life is meant to have a villain or two. Why be frightened of everything that you are not? Girls who read understand that people like characters develop. Except in the Twilight series. If you find a girl who reads, keep her close. When you find her up at 2 a.m. clutching a book to her chest and weeping, make a cup of tea and hold her. You may lose her for a couple of hours, but she will always come back to you. She'll talk as if the characters in the books are real, because for a while they always are. You will propose on a hot air balloon, or during a rock concert, or very casually next time she's sick but over Skype. You will smile so hard you will wonder why your heart hasn't burst and bled out all over your chest yet. You will write the story of your lives, have kids with strange names and even stranger tastes. She'll introduce your children to the cat in the hat in Aslan maybe in the same day. You will walk the winters of your old age together and she will recite Keats under her breath while you shake the snow off your boots. Date a girl who reads because you deserve it. You deserve a girl who can give you the most colorful life imaginable. If you can only give her monotony and stale hours and half-baked proposals, then you're better off alone. If you want the world and the world's beyond it, date a girl who reads. Or better yet, date a girl who writes. That was a spoken word poem by Rosemary Urquico. It actually began as a Facebook note. She wrote her friends and ended up on stumbleupon.com. Do you remember stumbleupon? It was kind of like Pinterest, and you would put in your taste, and it would just send you thing after thing that the algorithm thought you would be into. It was basically the only thing Hannah Jo D'Angelo and I searched while we were supposed to be taking notes in class, and it was worth it because we found this poem. Hi, I'm Josephine March, and from the time I was six, I could tell you exactly how my life was going to go. Six was the year I knew, because six was the year I could read, and I ran into chapter books immediately. Here is how life would go. I would hole up in the attic for years, ink-stained fingers churning out stories, poetry, or plays that I would act out with my family and friends in my spare time. My irrepressible zeal for life would be unparalleled, and I would charge every challenge with optimism and relentless spirit. 
In the course of time, I would leave my beloved home and move to the big city where I would take the perfect job to inspire imagination and grant me the spare time needed to write that of a nanny or governess. After this, I would meet Professor Bear, who would be my greatest encouragement and worst critic, all wrapped up in one intoxicating package of wisdom and brilliance. A couple of musical performances in German and a terrible falling out later, he would show up in the rain with my manuscript and offer me his empty hands. I would, without question, fill them with mine. Not empty anymore. We would marry, move into a Greco-Victorian house, it made sense in my head, and impart our knowledge to a collection of lovable lost boys who we would take in at random. This was my dream, though I never really said it out loud. Whenever I was asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, this was the dream in my heart. When Bobby Kilman called me into his office for my senior consultation and asked me if you could have and do anything you wanted, what would your life look like? This was the dream in my heart. When I said to write or to travel or to make a difference or to teach or to empower others, I may have meant those things, but not implicitly without qualification, absolutely, because implicitly in a way that is not directly expressed, this was the dream in my heart. As last year rounded out in an altar, I sobbed less than gracefully into the carpet and reminded the Lord that I had already given him everything, asking him what he still required of me. He said he wanted Professor Bear. I informed him I had no idea what he was talking about. As far as anyone knew, I didn't. I had still never said it aloud. He begged to differ. It turns out that he did know what he was talking about. It also, probably not coincidentally, turns out that he might have different plans. To clarify, I have no idea what they are. Hi. I'm Melinda Poitras, and I have no idea how my life is going to go. I burn my own dreams down and will now start over with just the ink-stained fingers. I fall into his heart, give him my hands, also, probably not coincidentally, not empty anymore, and trust in his plans, though I know not where they will lead. This is what we do when we are all called to do it. We drag Isaac to altar, not knowing what comes next. There will always be a lamb, but is there a ram in the thicket? Who knows? Why don't we find out together? This is what we do, and we are all called to do it. We drag Isaac to altar no matter what we've dreamed. Our destiny safe in his hands no matter what may come. Special thanks to Louisa May Alcott for writing the most beautiful dream. There is not a doubt in my mind that it would have been every bit as lovely in real life as it was on paper. You're listening to He Said, She Said, by the way. I think you all know that. You've now heard a piece from 2017. I shared it when I launched my website way back then. Wow, three years flew by. I was built by books. They are in my DNA. They are part of who I am. I was born on March the 2nd, the birthday of Dr. Seuss, to two reading parents with teaching degrees, so I never had a chance. I learned to read at the age of six. I felt that to be too late. I remember being stressed about it. I also remember memorizing one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish to pretend I was able to read. I recited it perfectly, but I held my book upside down. Memories have been coming back to me lately, and it's amazing how reading has shaped me. For example, I wanted to deliver books to a friend who was ill, and she told me that she had read most of Lori Wick's books, which, yes, because they're our joint favorite, except for the Californian series. And I remember sitting in the car as the flood of memories hit me. I don't remember where I was in real life, where I was sitting or what I was wearing when I read those books, but I remember crawling completely inside of them. I could remember the landscape and the mercantile they all worked out, and Sean, whose name my brain pronounced seen for forever, 
and the one blonde girl who tried to be prettier by leaving her glasses behind but couldn't see and incited disaster upon her own head. Books, though. My mother's voice reading Charlotte's Web to us every night. Where is Pa gone with that axe? is the first sentence in that book. It is not often that someone comes along who is a true friend and a good writer. Charlotte was both. Is the last. My grandmother would read to us at night when we would stay with her. She would read whatever she was reading at the time in her own life aloud to us. Ironically and delightfully, it was actually usually Lori Wick. We would have table talk after dinner and read What Would Jesus Do and Who Moved My Cheese and talk about what we thought about the books and what they were teaching us about God and life. I obviously read Little Women. I also read every word of every book in Lucy Ma Montgomery's Anne of Green Gables series. Oh, Anne with an E, whose imagination got the best of her and whose sincerity was a delight, Anne who wrote with all her might and became a teacher, Anne who would wonder so often why Gilbert Blythe kept showing up hanging pictures in her imagined house of dreams. I don't want sunbursts or marble halls. I just want you. I loved that line. I also used to misquote it. <laughs> I don't want starbursts or marble halls. I would think if I found the right man, I wouldn't want starbursts either, except maybe the pink ones. The Lord sent me Diana Deandra, my own kindred spirit, soul tied from the start. I would spend hours teaching Kendra how to dissect complex poetry, but the simplest poems were always my favorite. Stefan kissed me in the spring, Robin in the fall, but Colin only looked at me and never kissed at all. Stefan's kiss was lost in jest, Robin's lost in play, but they kiss in Colin's eyes. Haunts me night and day. Sarah Teasdale kept me out of a lot of trouble with that poem. She also got me into a lot of it. Books bore with me through miles in the car on deputation, through high school, through college, this morning. Books were my friends when I didn't have any and my escape when I couldn't, and I'm convinced to this day that so many words can come out of me because I have put so many in. I would have told you if you'd asked me that I never wanted to be a teacher. It's the truth. I didn't, but in a few weeks, I'll put on a cape and wear a tiara and open a wardrobe door and step into Narnia. I'll have brand new friends to journey through the year with, 10-year-olds developed enough to understand important concepts, but still imaginative enough to climb into the pages of Lewis and journey with me to a magical place. I will likely introduce them to the cat in the hat in Aslan on the exact same day. I'll give them a teacher who reads because they deserve it. I can't get in a floor circle with them by the pirate tent because of COVID restrictions, but I will make the books on the shelf come alive for them, and all those books will point to the one book in this classroom that is alive already. I love the word of God. I love God the most. I celebrate the fact that he had a universe unimaginable at his disposal, but he chose to use words to make us a world to live in. He spoke light and life into existence. When Lewis depicts him as Aslan creating Narnia, he doesn't just speak, he sings. And in these dark, uncertain days, when my classroom cannot hear his voice singing over them on their own, I know he will use mine. They will know here. They will know now, like they are living Zephaniah 317, that the Lord their God is with them. He is a mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in them, and in his love he won't rebuke them, but will rejoice over them with singing. I will sing over them like he sings over me. Doesn't make sense. But I learned how to sing because I'm a girl who reads. Hi. I'm Queen Lucy. Welcome to Narnia.
You've been listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. Hopefully something you've heard made you smile, inspired you to think, or called you nearer to a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.